0: Back to Rising Action. I am one of your lovely hosts, Josh. I'm back from my honeymoon. I'm married. Woo! I'm very excited about it. Woo! Congratulations. Thanks, bud. I do. It's it's quite. It's fun. I'm not gonna lie. It's a lot of fun. As it should be. As it should be. But that's not why you're here. Oh, well, I mean, if you're here, I appreciate you and I love you. You're a fantastic person. But yep. most of you are not here for that. So, uh we're going to straight up just hop into our first little segment of the podcast
1: that I call the news. News, 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 news. That was the echo. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: we just started doing that like impromptu and I kind of love it. It's new, news, news, news. <laughs> anyway, uh <laughs> A24 we'll we'll get to them a little bit later as well but right now they um they released a picture on their Instagram last week i think it was where they showed a script that had Travis Scott's name on it
1: it's lit yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it means i don't nobody knows what it means to be honest other than he might have made a movie or be making a movie for yeah. A24 or that is produced by A24 um which i i don't know what that means i don't even know if i like the
1: implication
0: of what that means
1: it's interesting I think because i I would
0: just <laughs> rather live in
1: i don't know like there's a ton of different rappers just, and stuff uh, that like they uh they're, they're like, into f- film and everything. So, like, The Weeknd, for example, like, I'm, he said within the next five years he'll probably make a movie, but his stuff actually, like... I saw that. He's, like, actually, like, got a pretty good grasp on filmmaking. Like, his music videos are really high quality um, and really well done, and he gets people uh, that, like... Like, I mean, pretty artsy people, but he was also in Uncut Gems, like, playing himself, right. and he was on board for it, like, the whole way. He's like, yes... Um, and they were like, oh yeah, he's like a total cinephile. Like he understands what he's doing. And, um, so that's, so that's pretty cool. Um, Travis Scott, on the other hand, uh, roach man (laughs) himself, uh, is the cactus guy. Yeah. Cactus (laughs) Jack. Uh, you play sicko mode at McDonald's and they give you his hamburger. Uh, (laughs) I don't, I don't even cactus Jack anyway. His name is Travis
0: uh I, did i just like i don't was that a really white thing to say is that something that you're not allowed to say
1: oh his real name isn't even travis i don't think uh oh so i'm not i'm not gonna lie to you I, I i like i like travis scott i like some of his music but i don't know much about him but it is censored i know nothing it is censored but the only thing that is censored is the first couple of letters the last two letters are i a And it's a first draft, it literally says, like there's a quote, and then it ends in IA, like ends a quotation mark. And then it says, by Travis Scott, first draft, A24, Cactus Jack, on the thing. Uh, So, I don't know. Um, Oh, you know what I know this movie's probably going to be called? What? Utopia. Isn't that what his uh, last album was named? Yes. I I just went to his Instagram, um, and I'll follow him real quick, I guess. Um, And the first thing that it says is Utopia, and you look at the quote, and it says it ends in IA, and it's the exact same amount of characters that it would be for Utopia. I believe that is what it will be called. What will that mean? No idea. But I've cracked the code, guys. No clue. I... I assume it will be called Utopia.
0: Travis Scott releasing a movie called Utopia from A24. No clue what that means, but I guess kind of intriguing. Um, The other piece of news...
1: Sorry. (laughs) He actually does love Zootopia. Like He referenced it in one of his songs. Who doesn't? I mean, it's a great movie. Who doesn't? It's great. It's phenomenal. Freaking rabbit cops.
0: Um, The other piece of interesting news is the Lord of the Rings show that we've all been waiting desperately for released a screenshot or a promotional image whatever we got two things one of the first of which came uh before i got married second which came while i was on the honeymoon first uh piece was the teaser image uh which looked amazing so like it's literally nothing um like we don't know anything about it, other nope. than it just looks like what the uh, Peter Jackson trilogy looked like. Yes, and that's that's great. That's a win. The other thing was that I'm pretty sure it was announced it's coming out in 2022, which yes. is depressing.
1: September second, 2022. So about a year. Yes. Um, but they just filmed. Or they just wrapped filming. Um, On in season the, two. In
0: in. That that's right. They wrapped. So they shot season one in New Zealand, they wrapped there, and then they're going to uh, the UK to shoot season two. Oh, okay. Which is actually getting a little bit of flack right now, because people are like, why would you leave New Zealand? Now, okay, to be fair, the UK was used extensively for Game of Thrones, the UK and Spain and Turkey, I think. Um, And so the UK, I feel like, has a little bit of a, like it's a trendy thing. You know, when you start seeing uh, shows like Game of Thrones that did so well, you know, their practices are going to be copied by other projects. And so I don't know if it has anything to do with that at all. But I would imagine that there are some locations in the UK that have been discovered through uh, production on Game of Thrones or, you know, similar similar projects and and other big projects are like, oh, we could also get a fantasy show. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be in New Zealand now. Right. It's getting kicked back because people are like, you know, New Zealand is synonymous with production of Lord of the Rings.
1: So it's it's like, why are y'all leaving?
0: But yeah, regardless, they're going to the UK.
1: I mean, Middle Earth is a pretty diverse area. Like, and there's also yeah. in the UK, there's a lot of uh, lots and like. Productions that are actually just within buildings, so they may be doing yeah. more interior stuff. Um, you they even could. you even have something like The Mandalorian with the volume, uh, right? Where they're like shooting in this big dome, and I think more companies are getting access to that. Uh, and I could totally see Lord of the Rings utilizing that as an asset if they wanted to. Um, for right. maybe for things that maybe they're like, hey, like we don't have an actual location for this. So it would be easier to do this, um, or say there's something on like yeah. a really large scale, and it'll look so seamless as well. We talked about that on an episode way back when. Um, yep. But I have no doubt that they'll eventually will go back to New Zealand. Like maybe they maybe with their shooting order, they need to go, like they have to go to UK first, and then maybe they'll come back to New Zealand or something. I don't I don't know.
0: I don't know either. Yeah, I read some. I, what I read said that for season two, they're going to the UK, which to me meant they shot the entirety of season one in New Zealand, and the assumption is that they're going to do the same thing but in the UK for season two. Yeah, don't know. Um, obviously, it's it's kind of a conjecture, and you know we don't have like sources in on that or anything, but. Regardless, 2022 Lord of the Rings show, it looks like it's going to be everything you would expect the Lord of the Rings show to be. I'm hyped. Um, I, think, I think we've talked about the budget for it on here before, that it's just going to be obscene. Oh, yeah. Um, I want. What was it? 20, $20 million an episode? No. No, it was a lot more than that.
1: It was a, it was a chunky budget. Um, and one that I do not know... I'm going to figure out right now. It's definitely the most expensive show um, ever made. Um, And I think only before that was like Game of Thrones or like The Mandalorian. It's a $465
0: million (laughs) budget.
1: (laughs) Not even close to $20 million. Uh, That is
0: one season, ladies and gentlemen. The first season of that show is going to cost $465 million to make. That's absurd. So, like, okay. To put it in perspective, Game of Thrones, which is kind of the bar for uh, massive world, huge set piece Mm -hmm. fantasy shows, the last season, uh, like their budget might have been a hundred million. Yeah, maybe
1: it was like something like Uh, the early ten to fifteen million an episode, sometimes up upward to twenty million. Um, And the last season was only like six episodes so yeah it was around like it was around 100 million it kind of varied
0: yeah and early seasons i I just want to put in perspective because i remember talking about early seasons of game of thrones getting like a 10 million dollar budget a 20 million dollar budget you know spending 10 million dollars an episode for early seasons i mean that was unheard of that that's just an obscene amount of money that they were throwing at that show and movies you know you can make a great movie for a 40 million dollar budget like you can do a really big movie for 40 million dollars and and they were throwing i think it was 8 8 episodes a season roughly 10 million dollars an episode early on so it was like i guess 80 million for a season of game of thrones and and those things were massive yeah i mean absolutely massive they were doing things that it was just absurd And Lord of the Rings is going to be four times that. Yeah. In terms of its budget. So the expectation should be that there's just going to be... Like, it's a summer blockbuster movie every episode. You know, like, movies like Tenet that were super expensive to make, Dune that are super expensive to make, I feel like we should expect that kind of quality each episode. Like, no filler, no just, like... they're talking their way through an episode you even saw that in game of thrones sometimes where they would have setup episodes that would lead into a big set piece episode where in these setup episodes they were just kind of chilling talking to each other advancing the plot until they could do something cool i feel like with this lord of the Rings show it's just going to be like bonkers yeah huge big world great set pieces uh i feel like it's going to be like that the whole show Um, but in the meantime if you want something like that, there is a show uh, called The Wheel of Time coming out in twenty twenty one. I want to say like later later this year, um, <clears throat> season one of The Wheel of Time is going to come out, and I think it's going to be pretty comparable to uh, to The Lord of the Rings.
1: I have not heard of the show, or I have, but I don't know anything about it. But I'm gonna look it up.
0: It is also a based on a <clears throat> really huge fan base uh fantasy series mm-hmm. and it's been getting a lot of hype um in in fantasy circles <clears throat> so people are excited about it i don't it obviously is not going to get the same amount of mu- uh, budget that the lord of the rings show is going to get but i think it's something similar to what early seasons of game of thrones were where it's still a sizable amount and it's a great story it's based on a 14 book series yeah. of novels so they've got a lot of source material um i think from what i've read they're adapting the first half of the first book in this season okay um it's exciting for for that show to have that much source material to pull from because you don't have to worry about seasons just kind of stinking because right. they're the writers are having to f- like figure out what to, to make happen and you know, it's, it's all the books are already there. The story's already laid out. Um, you just have to figure out to, how to adapt the story. So if you're excited about Lord of the Rings and you want a fantasy show to watch in the meantime, uh, check out The Wheel of Time when it comes out later this year.
1: Yeah, it's got Rosamund Pike. I like her. Yes. Without further ado, what's next, Josh?
0: Yeah, we have the moment that I've all been waiting for. Um, uh, I've all been waiting for (laughs) yeah (laughs) we kind of teased this on our Instagram the other day Uh, if you haven't followed us it's risingaction underscore on Instagram it's a fun time Uh, but we're going to finally do our review of The Green Knight, uh, the movie that we were really excited about and uh, built up a ton of expectations for and excitement for But it came out, we watched it the night before my wedding. I went on the honeymoon, came back, got to formulate some thoughts, figure out some theories. We had to talk to a bunch of people. Uh, Seth and I had like a really long conversation about it. We're just trying to figure out what the crap it was. Yeah. Um, We're we're gonna stay away from spoilers at the beginning and then we'll get into more spoilers towards the end as we try and like decipher and figure out what the movie is. But first off, generally speaking it's a movie about a uh i guess a squire uh, the nephew of king arthur Mm -hmm. um he's not yet a knight he wants to be a knight but he's kind of you know the classic he's uh in brothels he's having fun he's doing all this stuff and um this guy who's like a walking tree voiced by ralph einstein so he sounds terrifying yeah uh shows up and he says strike me with a blow and one year from now uh i will strike back what was given to me it's really weird um but it's a story about uh honor and you know what it means to be a knight what it means to be honorable to be noble um and and it's it's a story of failure but there's a, a immense amount of hope tied to it as well I don't know. Like, what what did you think of it coming out of the theater without kind of diving into the major spoilers of it?
1: I think I, I still and I still feel this way a little bit. Uh, overall, I was like unsure how I felt about it, and that was kind of how I was anticipating yeah. the feeling because I was like, I wasn't expecting this to be like, wow, I'm like gonna love this movie right out of the gate. Like, I knew I was, but like, I also I do really love the movie, and right i think like my i think my expectations were probably about where i was expecting it to be um and so what
0: should expectations be for somebody going to watch it the first time okay
1: it is not a high fantasy action movie all right this is not an action medieval fantasy flick at all there's actually very little action um what you should expect is basically more of a character study, uh, and yes. something about uh, not even necessarily a character story, but a uh, a story of human morality and, and folly. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is about the journey of a man who basically he's like he's very average, subpar. Like he has nothing really going for him, and it's basically his his Rise and falls and everything in between to trying to become a great knight. Um, Whether mm-hmm. he succeeds that or not, go watch the movie or just stick around for right. spoilers. Um And it's just, it's very, uh, how I would describe it is very ethereal, euphoric, and very just like mentally stimulating. And it like this, as many A24 movies will do, It will get you thinking, but in a good way. And there's just a lot of powerful imagery in the movie, powerful colors. Colors is something you have to watch. Literally, a color is in the name of the title, so colors are very important. Um, Reds and yellows and greens uh, and whites and blacks. Like, they're just, they're very, they're they're part of the story. They're weaved in very seamlessly. Um, So don't expect this dude to be, like, going and chopping dudes heads off with an ax or whatever. Like that's not <laughs> going to happen. Expect very much a, a story of, of human morality, um, of rights and wrongs and a man trying to show his greatness. Um, but failing many times along the way. Yeah.
0: I think it's a movie that you've got to see at a bare minimum twice. Yes. Um, which we going have not to it. I, I we have not, yeah, I've still only seen it the one time. I definitely want to go see it again. Um, going into it, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. I've seen a lot of David Lowry's other films, and this one was not not immensely different from his past films. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all, It was akin to the ghost story in terms of uh, the ghost story is also kind of about an idea more than it is. A plot-driven film. Um, he's done uh, Pete's Dragon, mm-hmm. and uh, for for Disney, which has obviously got like kind of a Disney plot to it. So you're not really seeing any of David Lowry as a director in that movie, not not in any significant way. But you know, The Old Man and the Gun was kind of a character study-ish, but it had a little bit more of a fun plot to it. Um, I didn't know if it was going to be kind of like that. Or if it was going to be sort of like the ghost story or a ghost story, which was much more of a, I guess, a poem sort of Um, just like examining relationship and how that changes through the years and whatnot. And a ghost story is somewhere in between the old man of the gun and a ghost story where there are it is chock full of ideas, um, which is kind of a lost art in film, I feel like, or at least something that doesn't get done nearly as frequently anymore. Um, You know, we've talked about movies like Come and See on the podcast where the entire film is kind of an ideology or an idea. Um, The Green Knight has a lot of that in there, but it's also a character study, um, and it's kind of done... It's done in an interesting fashion Mm -hmm. where you're not... Like, in the theater, I didn't really know what was about to happen. But in the sort of way that it was unpredictable um, in just like a out of left field sort of sense. Yeah. So, I mean, if you watch a lot of movies, you kind of get a bead on general plot devices. And you can kind of figure out through the first quarter of a movie what the rest of it will be. Um, you just kind of get a, like a gut feeling. You just kind of know, like, okay, this is probably going to happen, and then this is sort of going to happen um, just be through, like, intuition. You just kind of pick up on things, on trends, on story devices, and you just kind of know at a certain point things will happen, and maybe they happen and you didn't exactly predict them, but they're not surprising either. Mm-hmm. And The Green Knight was so not that You know, like you didn't know exactly what was going to happen ever. You couldn't really predict anything. And even after it, you're sitting there trying to figure out like, okay, what, what, what did he mean when this happened? And how does that correlate to this other scene? And, you know, why was this certain shot included? Like, for example, um, at one point, Gawain during his crest, um, gets his, sword and armor stolen by like a ragamuffin basically anytime that actor it's uh, uh barry keegan mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly how you say his name but i butchered it probably barry keegan however you want to say it keegan whatever he anytime he shows up in a movie you know something bad's about to happen anyway because he's just like super off-putting but regardless he shows up and his character steals gawain's sword armor horse whatnot And um, there's a shot where Gawain is tied up by Keegan and like two of his sisters, I guess, in the story or companions, whatever. They tie him up and he's kind of struggling against his bonds and he's laying down. But then there's a shot immediately kind of in um, correlating to a shot of him alive. But then there's a shot of his skeleton in the Mm -hmm. exact same position that he was alive, struggling against his... Uh, the ropes tying him and it's just very interesting like you're like oh wow why is that shot there like why why did david lowry want me to correlate him being alive struggling against his bonds to him being dead and like you know does that mean he never like there's an alternate reality where he never escaped and he just died there or is that supposed to mean something is that is that saying something about Gawain without actually saying something, if yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of things like that in the film that you just kind of have to sit on and process. Yep. And that's why I say it's a movie that requires multiple watchings because I feel like you need to go into it the first time without expectations. Mm-hmm. You don't need to set up any notions about like, here's what it's going to be because this is what David Lowry does. This is what 824 does. Just go into it with an open mind Um, Watch it and then sit on it for a little bit and try and figure it out and then go watch it again. Because I will not lie, after watching it uh, the first and only time I've seen it, I really wasn't thrilled. I was like, okay, if I was to rate this on a scale of five stars, I would probably give it three and a half. Yeah, it was good, great filmmaking, but I just wasn't connecting with it because I didn't understand it yet. Yeah. Um. And I don't think that that is a bad thing. Normally, leaving a film, you know, like if I left a Marvel movie, uh, let's say for example, I went and saw Black Widow, and my knee-jerk reaction sitting in the theater immediately after credits roll is that this is a three and a half star movie. That's probably not going to change. Yeah. Like, my knee-jerk reaction to that film is going to be what it's going to be. But with the Green Knight, your knee-jerk reaction is not going to be your final reaction to the movie which is why you need to see it more than once there's a lot to unpack there's a lot of ideas there's a lot of character development there's a lot of individual moments of David Lowry kind of insinuating things or inserting things that you're not really sure yeah. exactly how they fit in the overall story in the overall character um, and you need to sit on it a minute you need to kind of like reflect on it read a couple articles, watch a couple YouTube videos, and then go back and watch it again because I guarantee you you'll be so much more excited about it on second viewing because everything will start to click. Uh, You'll start to pick up on some of the things that Lowry is doing. Um, You'll pick up on some of the kind of like throwback uh, style that Lowry uses in this film. There's quite a few shots that are 1,000% throwbacks. And homages to past directors like Kurosawa, um, Tarkovsky. Yeah. Uh, the opening shot is straight out of a Tarkovsky film. Yeah. And uh, if you've seen Tarkovsky before, you can kind of be like, "Oh, freak!" Like he's copying Tarkovsky right here, and it's it's fascinating. And you know, if you if you can catch some of these little quote unquote Easter eggs that are happening, you'll enjoy it so much more. And that's why I am so excited to go watch it again i'll probably buy it um i don't know if i'm gonna go see it in theater again or if i'm gonna wait for it and buy it on blu-ray when it comes out but um i can't wait to see it again in the weird way that like i didn't fully love it the first time i watched it but i'm also over the top excited to go see it again Mm -hmm. and that doesn't happen ever
1: yeah yeah you know like I was mentioning earlier, that there's like this, like this uh, basis of like human morality and stuff in it, and I think the reason, like, you know, I th- I think for me walking out it was like a four, and then I want to see it again, and I it like right. like I think it's also gone up since then. Because there are some parts that definitely confuse me. It's not. It, it is not a clear cut movie, and and I, I like movies like that. I love me some movies that are just simple and plain and fun. I like me some popcorn flicks, but I also like movies like this. But I found myself relating a lot to, um, Gawain in the movie because I was like, I'm I'm a very morally driven person, and and this is just like me in like in general in real life. And so when I, I like I was like you know he's. He's doing these, what they, he's not doing like these awful things, but he's definitely like not like showing himself that this, is like this great night, you know, like he's just very ordinary, right. like subpar. And that's often like, you know, I feel like I have this desire to, uh, like have a grander purpose and be like a, you know, in. in in a metaphorical sense, some sort of like knight or whatever. And I found myself relating a lot to because I'm like, man, he's just like an ordinary dude, right? Like, he's not some like great, yep. fantastical knight. Like, he has his own struggles, that, like, uh, like with his temptations, uh, for so many different things, um, like his lust for power, like all of this stuff, you know. And we see that through these visions and all of that, um, his like obsession of like clinging on to life and uh, being afraid of death, um, there's just there's a ton of stuff like that, and so I was like I was like I can I can empathize with this guy because it's like, you know I think he wants to be a good knight, but he's not he's not actually ready to be. Um, he's right. Like yep. he like he doesn't really have it in him, um, and uh, and I mean depending on the person like I think all of us we try like, we beat ourselves up a little bit um, and. You know, it's. I think it's easy to relate because it's like, man, like we we all feel like we can fall short sometimes, and uh, and Gawain certainly does. Um, but I don't think, um, I don't think all in all he is a terrible person. He's just someone that like he's a human, like, and that's why it's human mor- morality, right? Like, it is about human. Like, his story is the story of humanities, um, and and I I really love that. Like, I think, and that's why I think everybody can kind of relate to him and I think Dev Patel plays Gawain so uh so well like I I love him I think he was a perfect fit um the castings in this movie are just great in general there's just some there's just great yep. cast across the board um yeah I, and so I think it just stuck with me um you know especially in a time like um, what, like in my life where I, I feel like I'm not achieving greatness or anything, you know, I'm, I'm just out of college. I don't have my job yet. Like, like you know, the job that I want, whatever. Like um, I, I often find myself being like, yeah, I kind of suck. Like, and so it's like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like I can relate to going cause I'm like, yeah, like he, he's not that great. But like overall like he's, you know, he's, he's just a human and it's like, and you can relate yeah. to that and actually take something really good away from that message. Um, that's what I took from it at least, but many people have taken different interpretations. Um, but I, am very thrilled to see it again, especially when I, uh, have not been driving all day and up all day or whatever. Like I, like there was a point in the movie, I did fall asleep for like 30 seconds because it was, it was like (laughs) almost like one in the morning and I had been, I'd been up super early. I've been driving all day, you know, wedding stuff, right? Um, I've had a couple beers in me, uh, so that doesn't help either. <laughs> but, right. But, you know, right. I, but I was like, uh, and I think in the, unfortunate thing is I think I missed a very crucial monologue from a character. And I think if I had understood that monologue a bit more, I think it would, I'd enjoy, have enjoyed the movie even higher, but I was like, I'm, I am losing it guys. Like I'm, I am falling off the deep end right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, but yeah, I mean, it just stuck with me really well. And, um, and I need, I'd like to take a group of people to go see it. Um, people have been, I, I think this is just, I'm sure you can relate to this. People naturally are like, Oh, have you seen this like really weird movie because it's like you're the movie guy, so you naturally are gonna go see this movie yep. and I'm like, I have. I'm like, I liked it a lot. And they're like Yep. They're like, I don't get it. And Anything I'm like, else? I don't either. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like I feel like I probably you and I because we are so you know, we just seek out understanding these movies and like understanding the art yeah. of them. Um, like we we just love storytelling, like and that and that's a big thing for yeah. me. And so um, Will naturally be like the first people that uh, or the, the first people that people come to when they're like trying to kind of understand this, and it's like I have an obligation to also understand this movie. And I think uh-huh. even walking out, like there was things I was confused about, and then after we had talked and some people had looked up some things, I was like, oh yeah, okay, like I can totally make these connections. Um, but we can get more about that once we uh, hop into spoilers um, for the people yeah. who have. Do you seen ever have that anybody
0: that walks up to you and they're just like? Hey Grayson, have you seen this movie? And you're like, yes or no, whatever the answer is. And they're like, hmm. And it's like they're testing you to figure out if you're actually a movie guy or not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're like, okay, if you haven't seen this movie, I don't believe you. Or if you have, it's like, okay, he checks out.
1: Yeah. For me, I feel like it's (laughs) most of the time like, I'm like, no. Like, there's like, I think yesterday I was talking about Tarantino movies and i was like right. i'm like i enjoy tarantino movies i've never seen pulp fiction i've never seen like oh, yeah and i need to see
0: that one too yeah i still haven't seen pulp fiction yeah. and it feels like a sin yeah ex- <laughs>
1: right but i also like don't have this desire to watch pulp fiction like like i know i should but it's like you got to
0: be in the mood for it
1: yeah like also a lot of scorsese movies like i feel like a lot of yes. scorsese movies like they're probably good but like there's only a handful that I'm like, oh yeah, I really want to watch these. The other ones I'm like like he just makes straight up all like mobster movies. Like they all like they're all mobster movies and it's just like, okay, well even Gangs of New York. It's it's kind of also a mobster movie. Uh, yeah. So um so yeah, there are movies like that where I'm like, No, I'm sorry. I've seen Django <laughs> Unchained and Unglorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I have not seen Pulp Fiction like I love all three of those movies though.
0: But it's bad because I own Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. I have both of the mm. both of the discs and I have not watched either of those films yet.
1: Today's your day off, maybe you should go do that after you edit this episode. Maybe I should. Yeah.
0: Probably after this episode get posted, I will be watching a movie. But I've got a bunch of Criterion's to watch. I've got mm. Grand Budapest Hotel that I need to Ooh. see. I've got Fantastic Mr. Fox. Ooh, yeah. Life Aquatic. I got a bunch of stuff to watch. I got a lot. Anyway, uh, we're going to dive into some spoilers of The Green Knight. So if you have not seen the film yet and you're just trying to figure out like, oh, is this movie like going to be good? Go watch it. At least check it out. Um, if it's not your cup of tea, no harm, no foul. But um, at this point, we're going to dive into some of the thematic and uh, some of the nitty gritty, I guess you will, of mm-hmm. The Green Knight and just kind of figure out, I think, a lot of what this This film, a lot of what's exciting about it is trying to figure out like the meaning of certain things. And, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways that um, the film uses, I guess, different kind of like devices for trying to pack meaning into uh, to what they're what what's happening. Um, And so we're going to kind of dive into some of those. But if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Uh, If you don't. No worries. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hunt you down and shoot you in the face. I uh, will. So yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> Darth Vader face shows up. And now you know. <laughs> You've been warned. Um, the one thing I really want to kind of there's there's several things to unpack here. There's a, there's actually a lot. But um, one thing I kind of want to dive into is the color. Um, you know, there's there's so many aspects of Of this movie in which I think Lowry is trying to denote meaning Um, like I said he he kind of uses some some shots that are derivative of past uh, directors and storytellers and you can see a lot of Kurosawa Tarkovsky in this film Mm -hmm. Um, and I I think that's probably intentional Um, but another thing and I think this is especially a Kurosawa thing which is You know, you could do a whole episode on Kurosawa's use of color because it's just amazing because he was making movies in the black and white era. And then he also was making movies once color film was being used. And so the fact that he's considered a master of color is just amazing to me. But anyway, regardless, um, there are so many, I guess, ideas about what the colors of the Green Knight mean, because Mm -hmm. there there's a lot of color in the Green Knight and on its surface it's awesome because you know medieval films suffer from a lack of color because i for think sure. we have in our heads like this idea of the dark ages that you know nobody wore anything colorful that they just kind of wore gray and green and like dull blues and like yeah. nobody really had like pretty banners or anything which is stupid like heraldry is a thing and people had all kinds of colors on all their standards and like if you were to go see a medieval battle right now, it's a freaking rainbow show. Like yeah. there's color everywhere and it's symbolized in everything. And I feel like color is so integral to medieval life. And so an Arthurian legend, which is set in kind of like dark ages. It's like thirteen hundreds. times. Yeah. So color should be found in costume, should be found in in, um, at at, like, honestly, just at a bare minimum, like what people are wearing should be colorful. Mm -hmm. And so that box is checked. Um, but that's not even really what we're diving into. That's just like medieval realism. And so that, that is there. And that's like a, a really interesting piece of it. And, and it's fascinating just to not even fascinating. It's just, I'm glad it's there. Um, but more than that, um, there's also thematic color in The Green Knight, and it is really interesting to unpack because the source material also uses color. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Green Knight is a poem, and green itself, the green of The Green Knight is used thematically as, like... I don't even know if it's used differently than what's used in the film, but... um, You know, green is kind of used as like a, uh, on the surface representative of what the green knight is of nature and what he represents. But even more than that, um, you know, the color green is associated with like rebirth, renewal, uh, new life, um, things like that, which is an interesting kind of like thing to pack in there, um. I don't know I, I i don't know what to make of like what does it all mean because there are the like okay there's a symbolism of individual colors that is kind of universally known like for example red is typically a sinister color that means like death sadness uh mm-hmm. it's associated with more of the macabre uh, right. green is new life excitement joy blue is light blue especially like happiness, um, you know, different colors naturally mean different things and denote different feelings for people looking at them. Um, but in the green night, it's more than just like the natural meaning of a color. Uh, there's more to it than just, you know, this is this color, like the color has more meaning than just new life. Right. And, um, and it's really, really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a I think all of the colors, personally, I gather they all represent different tests. Um mm-hmm. and each of them stand out in different scenes, uh and in, in different parts of the tests, uh, about his character. Um I, I wanna read a specific article. This is from um I believe it is from uh it's from CBR dot com. And um there's a specific thing and so and most people will gather this. I explain this in the non-spoiler section, but this is basically what I, um, I, I kind of gathered initially from the movie, um, and after we had talked about it and stuff with with uh, the our fellow groomsmen, uh, it uh, it made sense. Um, so I'll, I'll read this here. Um, it says. Uh, Since the Green Knight is based on a centuries-old story, it makes sense to interpret through the lens of morality of that time. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is often classified as a chivalric romance, the point of which was to emphasize a knight's heroic qualities. At the start of the film, Gawain, who is not yet a knight in in a change from the source material, um, lacks those qualities. He drinks too much and carries on a relationship with his lower-class girlfriend, Essel, and he knows that he can come to nothing since he's in the line of succession. He fails the Green Knight's test, a clever combatant would have only inflected inflicted a scratch and received a scratch in return. I love how that's one of the first things I said when we walked out of the movie. I was like, why didn't he just, like, nick him? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, when he yep. finds a scavenger on the battlefield, he is neither observant enough to detect his trap nor generous enough to pay him for his information. When he's attacked, he's unable to defend himself. Next, he encounters the ghost of a lady who has been raped and beheaded. Rather than help her for chivalry's sake, he expects a favor. Finally, at the Lord and Lady's castle, he can't resist... The lady's sexual temptation, and he doesn't hold up his end of the bargain he makes with the Lord. Gawain is self-interested yeah. and weak, and his, in his and, and his word is practically worthless. Though he does meet the Green Knight at the chapel in the film's climax, he escapes, afraid to die. Minutes later, it's revealed that a flash forward in which, uh, it's revealed that a flash forward in which he becomes king but suffers mightily, was just a vision. He takes off his magical green sash and acts as a knight would for the first time. Whether the Green Knight actually deals the final blow is it shown on screen or is is for the viewer to decide? But the moral of this version of the story is being consistently a good person is hard and not always rewarding. And so the big yeah. thing is all of those um, all of those different points. So right above that, um, it says. Um, It's talking about just kind of the overall plot. It says, over the next year uh, after he deals the blow, Gawain's story spreads and mutates, and he must decide whether to face the Green Knight with the date of their fated second meeting fast approaching. Most of the film's runtime depicts Gawain's grueling Magic 10's journey to the Green Chapel and likely his death. Along the way, he encounters scavengers, a fox, a ghost, giants, and a mysterious unnamed lord and lady, each potentially helpful or harmful, and each presenting him with a test of his character. Um, yep and so I personally gather that each of the I feel like there is a color associated with almost every single one of those. Like uh, it's not like the whole way with through, each but like phase, right, right. And so like, um, so like I mean, you, there's a lot. Of, like there's yellows in like the um, like the in the ghost scene. It's very dark. The fox I, mm-hmm. are, I associate with yellow. Scavengers I associate with this kind of like gray blue, uh, as well as the giants and then the the lord and lady. Um, is they – I don't know if there's a color really associated with with them, Um, but, again, each of them present a test, um, and there's specific shots where this just, like, color is just all over. Like, when he's in those woods right before he's about to hit or get to the chapel, it's all yellow. Like, the whole thing –
0: It's pure gold. Yeah. Which is, I think, really interesting um, because you can – I think you can look into the original text of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight for some clues as to what Lowry is doing because, you know, what we know about this film is that it is a semi-faithful adaptation of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight Mm -hmm. Um, in that I think it is a faithful adaptation with updated modern themes. Right. Um, But what we know about uh, Gawain from the original poem is that his color is gold yellow um whichever of those you prefer. He all, he's um, always
1: wearing this gold yellow jacket's like yes. you know, coat.
0: Yes. And so um what's interesting about that scene with the fox where it's completely yellow everywhere almost like artificially so um you know what uh, gold represents uh purity, wealth um And I think in in that moment, you're seeing like Gawain at his like first kind of like his first chivalric moment, because in that moment, the fox is telling him in the forest turn around, you're going to die. The green knight is going to kill you. And he he's like, no, like I've got to complete the mission. And so like the whole story of Sir Gawain is a story of failure because Repeatedly yes. he fails at being a knight he fails at the morality of knighthood he fails um, just over and over and over again in different ways it's not right. the same way each time, but in in different aspects he fails repeatedly and in that moment, when it is completely yellow everywhere, we see like Gawain at his i guess maybe his peak or like you know what he could be if he represented all of the morals of a knight. And in that moment, he decides like, no, I'm going to go face the green knight. And, and obviously later, if you've seen it, he, he turns around and runs away and you get this, um, flash forward, if you will, of like, you know, what would it be like if he were a king without honor, Mm -hmm. which is not in the original poem. That's Lowry sort of posturing or imagining, like, you know, what if the story went wrong? What if the Kind of lesson that mothers would tell their children of this story you know what if that never happened what if it didn't work and his ultimate conclusion i think is that um you know life without morality or a life without honor is pointless because in this flash forward sequence gawain he You know, he keeps his green girdle, which I think means probably something different in the original poem than it does in the film. And it's sort of up for interpretation. But, you know, in the poem, he keeps it as a sign of like past failure so that he might not forget it. But I think in the film, it's kind of like it's more of a sign of like, I don't even know. It's something to do with chastity and honor in knighthood and like. You know, he fails a whole test with it at one point, and there's probably something with he's holding on to it for a reason, but it's less clear in the film. Um, But in in the end, um, he still dies, and he dies like his head falls off. And it's it's obvious, like, correlation to, you know, the Green Knight never chopped his head off at the chapel, but it was all meaningless because in the end he died regardless and his son died and his life led no meaning and he was an honorless King and his people never respected him. And you know, this, that, and the other thing, like he never learned, he never became honorable. And so life was meaningless. And you see this moment in his throne room right before he dies when he's like you can just see it on him like yeah he realizes it was all for nothing um and so the the colors kind of represent you know each item of clothing sort of has a representation oh, maybe a loose one or maybe a specific one but um the color themselves itself is used to show like you know here's how gawain evolved. Here's how uh, Gawain learned things. Here's what he's learning. You can tell what he's being taught through the colors in the scenes around him. And, um, Lowry uses color in a really phenomenal way to kind of guide you through the story and take you from point A to point B. And also kind of like, I feel like in certain moments, there's like lighthouse moments where if you can't figure out what's happening, if you can latch onto the color You can figure it out because, you know, he placed it there as a lamppost for you to kind of like get you through um, some of the the heavier thematic moments in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, like you said, signposting. And I'd like to go back and hear that monologue from the lady in the castle. She's talked a lot about the color in it. Um, Yeah. And and just do some like further research on that. But um, I just, I kind of love, love the, the type of, like, trials that he goes through that aren't... They're not in your face, like, this is a trial. It's like, oh, this entire journey was, like... This isn't just, like, inconsequential. Like, this is part of his journey to whether he will become uh, a knight. And by the end, yeah, he does become a knight. Like, he takes off... So my interpretation was that uh, that belt thing was genuinely just, like keeping him a like keeping him alive like and that in that vision Mm. he takes it off and he dies like and whether that that part is literal or metaphorical he takes it off and it kills him right and that's when he decides like he's he literally he lusts after that like he um like that sexual temptation with the lady she has it she's like you want it don't you and he's like i do and so then and then like he uh he falls short um and lusts after that and he takes that belt back. I think also he gets that belt because he had lost it already from the scavengers. I believe the scavengers had taken his first one that his mother had given him. So this was a new one. Mm-hmm. And so then he sees that entire vision and he's like like it was like a like a literal version of like his I don't know, like finding finding strength somewhere else but not on his own. Like he was mm-hmm. not like all of his quote power and courage and strength was coming from this this piece of cloth right not from his own soul his own heart and he rose above that and he's like wait after that whole flash forward he takes it off and he's like i'm ready and you see the fear is no longer in his eyes like he is sta- like right cuz he he's right. like he backs away from the green knight trying to kill him multiple times and then even runs away and then the one last time he goes wait he takes it off he's like no, nah, I'm ready and it's just he's just there and that's when the Green Knight finally says uh, well done my off good your and faithful head. knight now off with your head um, yeah and I and personally my interpretation is that yes he did kill Gawain but Gawain died with honor he died with right. his his purpose being served he's like hey he basically said hey I messed up but I'm ready to like I'm ready to fulfill the the prophecy and like the, the journey that I was meant to be. And, uh, I I think my only concern would be like, man, I hope people did figure out that he did become a good knight in the end, you know, like that he did follow through. Um, and, and we all see that.
0: It's not a story, right. It's not like a story where failure is the end, you know? Right. Um, there's failures, failure throughout, but in the coming of age sense where you have to try and fail in order to later succeed. And in like to that end, I think his mother conjured the Green Knight in the first place to teach him these lessons that mm. he would have needed to learn. And yes. you you get that through some correlation. Um, and I, I do believe that there's causation there where, you know, his mom creates the Green Knight. His mom is, I guess, a, a druid or something. I don't know. Right. She... Performs magic things. I don't know. Don't fully understand it, and it's not really explained in the movie either. So you don't really know. You're just kind of like, okay, I'm guessing because this happened and this happened, that means this happened. Um, but regardless, I think his mother created the Green Knight to teach him how to be a knight. Um, yes. Because early on in the film, he is whoring around and he's having fun and he's not. He's not being knightly. Uh, he's not. He's not growing. He's just kind yeah. of stagnating. He's and he wants to. What What's interesting, though, is he wants to become a knight. He wants to be the things that a knight is. He's just not taking steps to get there. Yeah. And so the green knight kind of like pushes him along a journey where he has to figure it out, because um, that's the only way to not necessarily survive, because I do kind of think he ended up dying, which basically the question is dying with honor Better than to live without it, um, but regardless, in the end he he exhibits knightly qualities at the end of it all, regardless right. of whether or not um, you know he lives to later become an honorable knight like I don't think that's the point. I think the point is he learned from his mistakes or uh, he was able to eventually. Uh, act on the things that he learned, and I think that that's all David Lowry really wanted you to get out of it. Um, I don't know if the after was too important, other than you know resolution for this story is mm-hmm. Gawain exhibits knightly qualities, and and that is all Lowry really wants you to get out of it. Yeah, um, as far as the like, how did he get there? that's still somewhat up for interpretation because it's never explicit. Like this is what this is. It's just, it is sort of poetic in that like you are trying to understand with Gawain what is happening and like what it means and like, what am I learning and, and how can I use this sort of deal? Like what are these tools that are going into my toolbox and like, how can I use them sort of deal? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go back to what you're talking about the whole thing with his mother a little part in that uh, article as well it breaks it down uh, and this is actually an interesting tidbit that I didn't know because um, I, I I have not read the original um, and I'd like to I plan on purchasing it pretty soon but um, it says so it says uh, a cautionary tale about a mother's ambitions for her son the most consequential update to this literary classic, is the repositioning of Morgan Le Fay. Historically, she's a witch and apprentice of Merlin, who is Gawain's aunt, not mother. Here, they've been converged into one character who sets events into motion. It's Morgan who summons the Green Knight, frustrated by her son's inability to distinguish himself, but it's unclear why and to what extent she's involved after he appears and the deal is made. She could have wanted to test his mettle to see if he'd showed mercy in the game or any of the other attributes of a true knight on the quest that followed. But Or maybe she just wanted to give her son an opportunity to rise within the ranks to gain power by proxy. Some fans believe that she is the Green Knight and that's, that she created the obstacles along the way. Winifred tells Gawain that the Green Knight is someone he knows. Morgan accesses magic by covering her eyes with a sash, as other women do throughout the film. If she doesn't have a hand in the outcome, she at least has an eye on her son throughout. Others believe she regrets the spell and intervenes by possessing the fox. Either way, this was a time in which l- women had little agency and were only remembered by the reputation of their sons. By creating the conditions for going to ascend, she may have unwittingly sentenced him to death. So Interesting. So there's some, there's some food for thought, some things I did not entirely pick up on, and I'm not sure if I totally believe, but I, I tend to believe that his mom put that in place so that he could try to rise to the ranks and hopefully maybe like, like make something of himself.
0: Yeah. Either for her gain or for, well, I guess her gain by his proxy or yeah. by, or just for his gain, like regardless, you know, regardless it's a test created to advance Gawain, regardless if she benefits from it or not. Um, you know, the point is that Gawain learns the true qualities of a knight. Yeah. Um and I I ultimately think like that is just the point of The Green Knight. It's not necessarily a fantasy epic like we talked about. It is beautiful and it feels like a throwback. It feels like um you know, a mid uh a, a mid-century like 1960s to 1980s film. Um it's got a lot of homage to past filmmakers and I I do think that it's being appreciated because it just feels like something different. Um The Green Knight coming out in 2021 feels like a movie that should have come out in 1985 like it just it doesn't quite i I think some of its struggle in terms of like making money per se is going to be that it may not resonate with people our age or people in general that go to the movies as more of an enjoyable pastime and and don't really want to examine life's difficulties or you know deal with thematic qualities in a film and this movie is going to have that in there and you're going to have to stew on it a little bit. It's not just going to be like a fast action movie that gives you a little bit of a thrill, like a fast and furious and you go home. Now, obviously fast and furious is like a low blow to fast and furious, but like whatever. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's, it's just different.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a different in like a different, um, area. And so, and it's the thing with these types of movies anyway, is uh, I think they rarely make money in the theaters, um, and they're right. also like almost all a twenty four movies are like limited release, so or yes. like like they don't release in all major theaters. Like I know for me, it's like I have to go a little bit out of my way to go see it, but um, but yeah, I mean so that's we, a- I mean, we
0: we said. Go ahead. We said like we would have we would have rated it like three and a half four stars maybe. Leaving the theater, but like knowing yeah. what you know now about it after having done that little stewing part. Now you haven't seen it a second time, like we recommend, but kind of like understanding it a little bit better. Uh, either how excited are you to go see it, or knowing what you know with the benefit of hindsight, how would you rate the movie now?
1: Uh, I'd probably give it like an so I'm, I'm going to go out of 10. Uh, I'm going to go like an 8.75 out of 10. um that's that's probably where i sit currently but at other times i'm like oh it's definitely like a nine or like a nine out of ten or higher yeah um i think it'll all bank on my second viewing for sure but it's definitely up there um and i think it is something special um that is worthy of of people to go see um regardless if you hate it or love it um that's just yeah. yeah that's just my take. If you,
0: if you can recognize what it is and like appreciate the movie for for what it is, um, it, it's definitely a nine for me. I don't know if I could give it a full ten because I think there's you still got to reserve some of that like wow factor for ten of ten films. Um, but definitely, you know, if you can appreciate the Green Knight for what it's trying to do then it's great because i think it fully achieves its goal and when it comes to storytelling like it's so hard to judge a movie a story a novel a comic book a video game on like the result that you perceive so much as like what were they trying to do when they were making this and did they achieve their goal and i think with the green knight they did a really great job of doing exactly what they wanted to do i think david lowry is phenomenal here um you know, adapting the story and telling telling it the way he would tell it. You know, he doesn't necessarily adapt it as like this is the quintessential Green Knight adaptation, though I think it is. But it's like David Lowry's interpretation of what it means to him, which is yeah. I think probably more important as a storyteller to tell it through your own subjective lens than to be like objectively this is what it means because you really can't know. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult to understand, and so you know, if, if you can appreciate those aspects of the green Knight, I think you will love it. I think it is a movie that everybody should see. Now, are you going to enjoy it? Are you going to be like tossing your popcorn around having a fun time with your friends? Maybe not. It might not be that movie for you, but, um, I think if you can appreciate what it's trying to be, then you'll love it. So yeah, that'll be all from us for this episode of rising action. We will see you Next time, uh, if you would like, follow us on Instagram at risingaction underscore. If you want to connect with Grayson or I personally, Grayson is on Instagram and Twitter at straightster8. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Josh Johnson with two N's, 98. And we'll see you next time. Bye! Thank you for listening to another episode of Rising Action. You can follow us on Instagram at risingaction underscore, and we will see you in the next episode.